Safety, dependability, and power. Chevy Silverado isn't happy unless the work is hard and the day is long. No wonder Silverado is America's number one best-selling retail pickup truck. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and put a Silverado in your toolbox. <clears throat> All right. Are we ready to go here, my friend? Microphone's actually in, in the right spot today. Did you do that? No, just luck of the draw, huh? Okay, cool. Well, then let's keep the lucky streak going, all right? Let's not, uh, let's not mess with fate. Let's just keep, let's keep going. Maybe this is going to be a, a lucky podcast. What do you say? All right, let's, let's just, no lollygagging here. Let's go. You ready? Finger on the trigger? Okay. I'll give you the uh, three S's and the countdown. Give me the music, and I'll give you podcast number 392. Write it in the book, okay? All right, Reg, here we go. Star, smile, strong. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Pod Tastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Pod Tastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. But don't forget, listening is only part of your job, so get out there and tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion are much, much, much appreciated, especially in this season of giving. If you like what you hear, don't forget, go to WGNRadio.com and hit the podcast prompt, and then hit the prompt for this specific podcast, and my goodness, talking about giving, we are giving to you. Hours and hours and hours of fun, informative, and unique podcast entertainment. And all we ask is that you enjoy it. So go in there, hit load more, hit scroll down, and enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself right now, because this is podcast number 392. What I like to do on a regular basis here is always sharing with you, the audience, uh, not only things that are on my mind, maybe things that have happened in my life, but certainly some of my likes and my dislikes. The dislikes are always more fun. Kind of, because there's always a little more edge to them. But the likes are fun to share, too. I don't know about you, but that's kind of in my DNA. I like to share things. I like to share news. I like to share uh, things that I find interesting and fun and entertaining. Uh, you know, whether it's my hobbies or whatever interests, whatever it is. Uh, you know, I, 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 I come from a media background, and... The reason I got into the media is because I like to share. I like to 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 talk about information and share information and inform people, get the facts and put it out there. And not just stories, but but really what's most fun is things that I enjoy. And today is one of those things. Uh, so this is, for me, this is going to be very fun. Hopefully it's going to be fun and informative and inspiring for you. If you've never heard of what I'm going to talk about, hopefully maybe I will intrigue you just enough for you to take that next step and not just listen to this podcast, but take that next step and maybe do some of your own research and um, and see if you are as excited and like this topic as much as I do. I'd love to share and I love to turn people on to stuff that they've either 
don't know about or maybe have heard about but never really got into or maybe they did remember it and did get into it but it's been a long long time you know on my facebook page i do a daily music feature that i've been doing since 2015 i mean that's nine years it's going to be you know nine years uh you know in a couple of months it's been you know eight years right now it was kind of in June of 2015 when I started that. And I call it, I take, I, 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 I now, it, you know, it goes to show you how long it is. Uh, I call it Elton Jim's jam-packed iPod because my iPod has 25,000 songs on it, mainly from my former CD collection. I say former. I've kept some of them, but I did get rid of a lot of them just because the CD now is is kind of obsolete, but not when I was starting that podcast back in, or that uh, that little feature in 2015. But now, my gosh, with 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 all the apps, you have you have millions of songs at your disposal. If you're a a, a, a music file like me, you certainly still like to have something of a tangible record collection, which I do, CD and vinyl. But for sheer convenience, and as I said before, sheer uh, variety and access. Uh, so many of these these music apps like YouTube or Spotify. I mean, my gosh, any song you uh, you can ever think of is there. Uh, but the whole idea of that feature, which I still do, is to is to either expose people to music and songs that they may never have heard of deep tracks on albums, bands they may never have heard of, artists they may never have heard of. Or if you've never, it's not, maybe you've never heard of it, maybe you haven't heard this song in 10 years or heard, listened to this certain act in such a long time. You go, oh my God, I used to love that song or that 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 singer or that band. And uh, and so that's the goal of, of that. I enjoy you know, as I said, spreading the word on things that I like, but also I enjoy spreading my knowledge and my experience uh, and maybe helping other folks that, that haven't been exposed to that stuff to say, hey, this is really cool. Give a listen. Give a watch. And uh, that's what I want to do today. Uh, on HBO and uh, on Max, HBO, the cable system, and Max, which is the streaming service that's owned by HBO, there is a new documentary that is available that I strongly, strongly urge you to watch. It's called Albert Brooks Defending My Life. Now, Albert Brooks is a comedian, a writer, a director, an actor, a performer, who I think is easily one of the funniest people in the world. And I think really one of the funniest people of all time. I put Albert Brooks in a class of people like with Groucho Marx, who I still put at the top. I can listen and watch Groucho, uh, listen to Groucho, uh, forever i know that i may sound like uh, i'm 109,000 years old but if you've ever really uh watched a marx brothers film if you've watched any of the reruns of his old television show you bet your life if you've ever gone online and watched interviews with him especially with dick cavett so fast the dick cavett ones he's a little older but uh but groucho uh just in those in in those Marx Brothers films, and especially on You Bet Your Life, those reruns, so fast, so quick, so deadpan, clever, smart humor, um, just a genius uh, at 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 a at a moment's notice, uh, just reacting and and coming up with the perfect line. Uh, I would put Woody Allen uh, in that case. If you ever listen to Woody Allen's comedy albums when he was a stand-up um just genius and his movies to me are 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 not all gems but 
the ones that are gems are really gems. And I know there's a lot of controversy about Woody Allen these days and him being canceled and accusations about him. But in terms of talent, in terms of of a comedic mind, of a sharp, smart, fast, original comedic mind, there there are and have only been few like Woody Allen's. And I would put Albert Brooks in that category. Now, maybe some of you are saying, who's Albert Brooks? I mean, you know, Jim, I mean, I know, uh, you know, Chris Rock, and I know, you know, especially in today's world, I know Chris Rock, or I know Louis C.K., or, uh, you know, I know some of these, uh, you know, Dave Chappelle, uh, you know, Eddie Murphy, uh, you know, in the last 30 or 40 years, uh, you know, Bill Murray, Steve Martin, Martin Short, uh, you know, these are, you know, Ben Stiller, uh, these are, you know, David Letterman, Johnny Carson, uh, these are the comic giants, uh, you know, but I, I think I've heard of Albert Brooks, but I think I have. Well, that's my goal today. If If you're in that class, of I, you think you've heard of Albert Brooks, you may have seen him, but you don't really have a full appreciation of of who he is, of what he is, and the talent and creativity that he has. Uh, then that's my goal today: is to expose you to Albert Brooks. And I think one of the best ways to do that is through this new documentary that's on HBO or on Max. Uh, it's. Uh, directed and put together by Rob Reiner, one of uh, the great directors of the last 30 or 40 years, right? I mean, uh, Stand By Me, Princess Bride, uh, A Few Good Men, Dave. I mean, you know, he certainly has uh, uh, quite a uh, quite a, a catalog of films. Not only that, but he also starred in one of the greatest TV comedies of all time, all in the family, as Mike Stivick, Meathead. And last but not least, he's also the son of a comic genius, one of the, the, the pillars of, of comedy in the 20th century, certainly uh, in television history, Carl Reiner. And uh, as fate would have it, Rob Reiner and Albert Brooks have been friends since high school. And uh, it's rare that high school buddies rise to the level of fame uh, and success uh, in the same business, and especially in show business, dating back to when they were you know, just teenagers. But that, that is the case. But as I said, Rob Reiner, who has certainly been uh, recognized and and is very popular and well-known, Albert Brooks, I would argue, has made just as many great movies, if not more, has done just as much for comedy uh, in television as Rob Reiner, and yet, for as much of a comic genius, and yes, I will say, Albert Brooks is a comic genius, the the oddity is that he is mostly underappreciated and, in some cases, unknown. Now, that sounds crazy, because he's been around for, for more than 50 years. From the seventies, first showing up um, on um, on variety shows in the early seventies, um, appearing in the first season of Saturday Night Live, contributing short, hilarious, clever uh, movies, little short films, and then putting out a stellar list of films including that he's written and directed and starred in, including Real Life and Modern Romance and Lost in America and Defending Your Life and Mother and The Muse. Um, And yet, 
And also, as an actor, he's an Academy Award nominee for his influential and classic role in the 80s film Broadcast News. He's also appeared in some of the greatest films ever made, like Martin Scorsese's Taxi Driver. Now, many people, probably, if you, if, you've, if you know who Albert Brooks is, you probably know who he is, not for all these movies that I just listed, not for all these performances that he's done throughout the years on different television shows and variety shows, but he is the voice of Nemo's father in Finding Nemo. And that probably is what he is best known for in terms of the masses. But in terms of people in the, in the comic world, his peers, people younger than him, as an influence, um, critics who uh, watch movies or are, are, are major uh, fans and historians of comedy, Albert Brooks's name is sacred. And that's what's so ironic is that, a, that somebody has, that has so much respect with, within certain circles, somehow, for whatever reason, was never able to fully break into a mass popularity like a Steve Martin uh, or a Bill Murray or uh, you know a Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi. Those type of you know, Chris Rock, Eddie Murphy, those kind of major, major comedian stars who whose movies and concert tours uh, are celebrated uh, by the masses. Albert Brooks deserves that kind of recognition and that kind of success and fame. But for whatever reason, as good as his films are, as clever, as as quick as he is, it, it's it's a timing thing in many ways. And so that's what's so special about this new documentary. That's called Albert Brooks, Defending My Life. The title is a takeoff on one of his films called Defending Your Life that, sh- that came out um, in, the, uh, in the mid to late 80s. And what's so great about this documentary, and hopefully you can, you can see it somewhere, if it's either on, if you have HBO or you have the Mac streaming service, I hope you can find it. Hope you can watch it because it really is a curtain call and a, and a victory lap for Albert Brooks and his career, and it and it does a a great job of putting all of his material in one place. So, I mean, I could tell you without this documentary, oh, you should see this movie, or oh, he did this and he did that, and it would take you some effort to find all these things. But Rob Reiner has done an excellent job of putting it all in one place. The documentary is 90 minutes long. It begins and it runs through. It's just Rob and Albert alone in a restaurant. It's almost like my dinner with Andre. It's, it's, it's my dinner with Albert. And, uh, and Rob is talking about Albert's career and, uh, you know, they're both in their mid-70s now, but they're still both very relevant and fresh and urgent and sharp. Albert Brooks's comedy is still, his brain is still as sharp as a tack. His, 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 his ad-libs are still right on. And you get to see this great chemistry between these two friends. Not only are they, are they uh, you know, entertainment peers, but they're just good friends. They were friends from high school. After college, apparently, they were roommates for a while. And so you could really sense the chemistry and the trust and the love between these two guys. And, and as I said, I really give Rob Reiner a lot of credit for, for realizing that Albert deserves this kind of a, of a platform 
uh, and his work deserves to be seen and appreciated by so many more people. And that's the goal of this documentary. And as a fan of Albert Brooks, uh, I say I can tell you that I thoroughly enjoyed this from top to bottom. And even though I knew a lot about his career, there were some things that I, I that I learned myself. And I was so inspired and moved by this documentary that after I watched it, I watched two or three Albert Brooks movies right after it. Because <laughs> I just saw some clips and they reminded me of how great these movies are. And I went back and I said, I've got to watch these in full again. And when I was done, I just, again, appreciated how much I am a fan of Albert Brooks. And really, to me, he is one of the top comedians of not just my lifetime, but of all time. He has an interesting story. He comes from a uh, uh, an entertainment background. His father was a, a comedian in the early days of radio uh, and television and films. But like Albert... Ironically, he he never made it really big. Like Albert, a lot of parallels here. He was very well known and very well respected amongst the other comics of the day of his day and in the entertainment community. He was very he was he worked with, uh, you know, uh, Milton Berle and and some of these these classic comedians from the vaudeville days. His name, his stage name, was was a takeoff on an old kind of Yiddish phrase called, and he he was known as "Park Your Carcass," <laughs> and he would play a character named Parky. His real name, last name, was Einstein. <laughs> in fact, Albert Brooks's real name, it just goes to show you that he was he was born and raised uh by two entertainers. His mother and his father were both entertainers. And so is it any surprise that they would name their child with their last name of Einstein? They named their kid Albert. <laughs> I mean, Albert Einstein. How crazy is that? <laughs> but once again, uh, you know, his father's name was Harry Einstein. Uh, his mother was a singer. Uh, he had other siblings. They didn't name those Albert. But they named Albert, Albert Einstein. And he actually went by that name and throughout high school, but then as he became a performer, he actually, you know, changed it. Um, but uh, but he, he was uh, the son of, uh, of a show business family. And, in fact, his father is more known for his death than for his career, which is ironic. Park your carcass <laughs> uh, was appearing in, I think it was about 1954, or 1958, and he was at a Friars Club roast for Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball. In California, and this was a big deal. The Friars Club, which I was a member of for a while, for a good ten years or so, if not more, is an entertainment club, which some of the biggest comedians and entertainers of all time have been members of. It was a place that then became world-renowned because they would have these roasts, the Friars Club roasts, they were called, and it was a it was a great privilege to be roasted by the friars and many times they were closed doors affairs some of the greatest comedians of the world were all members of the friars club and they would let their hairs down let their hair down 
None of these were televised or anything. They would get really dirty and 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 real risque, much more than they would in their regular acts. And so the Friars Club roasts became world-renowned because they were so secret. And this special one for Desi and Lucy, the reason it was special was that it was it was an all male club. You know, many of you know, country clubs and things clubs like this were all male for 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 centuries, decades. And here they allowed Lucy in because she literally is the queen of comedy, right? And so Harry Einstein, park your carcass, is on the dais to roast Desi and Lucy. And he gets up there and he does his his little shtick. And from all accounts, he really killed that night. He had the entire room in stitches. And this is, is, is one of the great ironies. He gets finished with his, his time at the dais. He sits down, puts his head down, and dies. <laughs> Literally dies on stage, on the dais, at a Friars Club roast after just performing. It wasn't later on. He had just finished his act, and he sat down and put his head down and passed away. And Albert Brooks was was a young kid at the time. Uh, I think maybe 10 or 11 years old. Now, some people may know Albert Brooks's other brother, who was also in show business, Bob Einstein. He didn't change his last name because his parents didn't give him the, the, give him the name Albert. <laughs> but you may know Bob Einstein as Super Dave Osborne, who did a satirical parody on uh, you know, daredevils like Evil Knievel in the 80s, had his own TV show, Super Dave Osborne. He'd always talk about these crazy stunts he would do, and then, of course, you know they would always go wrong, and they would blow up, and it would just be you know crazy, chaotic. It was, it was, I was never a huge fan of Super Dave. But more recently, if you ever watched Curb Your Enthusiasm with Larry David, you would have seen Bob Einstein on there as one of the best supporting characters on that show for many years. He played one of Larry's friends, Marty Funkhauser. And you know, he talked like this, kind of almost like my Ron Sano impersonation. Hi, Larry. He had this, this, this hoarse voice, it's a tall guy, totally deadpan, really, really funny guy. He sadly passed away a few years ago. But Albert Brooks really was the cream of the crop of the Einstein family. And as I said, As sharp and as funny as he was and is, he still has never been able to to become that massive, massive hit, that you know, comic genius that that the masses know. But he has certainly had quite a career, and it is all on display in this documentary that I'm talking about called Albert Brooks Defending My Life. Uh, like many uh, young comics coming up in the late 60s and early 70s, he appeared on a number of variety shows. There was a million variety shows in the 70s. Everybody had a show, and so he would appear on those on daytime shows like Mike Douglas and Dick Cavett. I mean, you know, he appeared 30 times on The Tonight Show. Johnny Carson loved him. But he was not a stand-up comic, in the pure sense, he didn't come out and do jokes. It was kind of like a, 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 a performer more than anything else, a, a, a performance artist. He would do bits. He wouldn't do a funny thing happened to me on the way to the, you know, to the, to the drugstore kind of jokes. He would, he would portray a character or he would come up with a premise and, and act it out. And it was always crazy. As I said on Tonight Show, he had Johnny Carson in stitches all the time. He did a hilarious um, little bit as a, as a really bad ventriloquist 
with his ventriloquist dummy's name of Danny. <laughs> what I would urge you to do is to go on YouTube and just hit Albert Brooks. And, you know, and, and I'm sure there's a lot of uh, different clips of Albert Brooks on the shows from the 70s. And you just see, it's hard to even describe what he did because his, his take was so original and his perspective um it was it was you know it was his his comedy was very was smart and quick and bold and unlike anything you've ever seen in this documentary rob reiner has quotes from people like david letterman and chris rock and wanda sykes and sarah silverman and ben stiller and judge and judd apatow some of the biggest comedy people uh, you know, past and present, and they're all praising Albert Brooks. And like Chris Rock says, you know, y- you can't even steal anything from Albert Brooks because you, you, there, his, 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 his comedy was so original that only he could do it because it was part of him. So I would urge you to go to uh, YouTube and look up Albert Brooks and see what kind of clips from TV shows come up. And it's a wide variety of of crazy ideas. Uh, Some great clips from The Tonight Show at the very least. Just don't hit Albert Brooks' Tonight Show and you'll see some some things. As I said, he has Johnny Carson, you know, bent over in laughter. Just loved having Albert Brooks on. In fact... This Carl Reiner, Rob Reiner connection is interesting in that they went to high school together. They used to hang out. And one time, Carl Reiner, who I hopefully you know who he is, one of the great, as I said, comic writers and performers in the 20th century, uh, your show of shows that he was a a performer and a writer on. Uh, Later on, he wrote and created the Dick Van Dyke show. He directed films, especially many of Steve Martin's best films, including The Jerk. Uh, he wrote plays. He was very, very prolific. And he was on The Tonight Show one time in the late 60s, early 70s. And this is just, when you think about Carl Reiner, now Carl Reiner, as I said before, he, were, he, he has worked with, even at that time, he'd worked with some of the great comic minds of the day, like Mel Brooks and, and, uh, and Neil Simon and Larry Gelbart, who created MASH, and Howard Morris, who was Ernest T. Bass on, on, the, uh, on the Andy Griffith show, and Woody Allen, who also wrote for your show of shows, and Sid Caesar and Emma Jean Coca, who were the stars of your show of shows. So... Carl had a pretty good comic pedigree. And so Johnny just asks a, just asks a, a throwaway question, really, um, just to get the conversation going when Carl Reiner is, you know, uh, a guest on the show. And he says, uh, so, Carl, who's the funniest person you know right now? Well, just kind of a, a little interesting question to get the the conversation going. Who is the funniest person you know right now? And Carl Reiner, as I said, knows and has been exposed to some of the great comic minds of the day. So it would have been very easier for him to say, well, I mean, Mel Brooks. In fact, you know, Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks did this, this uh, classic skit, several comedy albums that they used to do at parties, and it became so popular that they said, you should record these and sell these. Why should you just be doing these at private parties? The 2,000-year-old man, and Albert, and it was all pretty much ad-libbed with, with Mel Brooks just uh, going off and Carl Reiner basically playing the straight man. So clearly, Albert, I mean, uh, Carl Reiner could have said a, a, a number of people because he's worked with and, and, and was, was friends with Many of the great comic minds, or he could have said someone like, uh, you know, oh, uh, the funniest person is Groucho Marx, or, or anyone. And on national television, he didn't take it. He didn't make a safe, 
little fawning choice of who's the funniest person that he knows of. He could have listed many who he had personal experience with. And Carl Reiner said, well, I have to tell you, one of my son's friends, Albert Brooks, is one of the funniest people I've ever seen. Because <laughs> Albert Brooks used to come over to Carl Reiner's house playing, you know, spending time with Rob, and and at 15 was doing bits for Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks, and he had these comic geniuses laughing when he was 15. So that's so far, that's, so far ahead of his time he was that at 15 he could make some of the funniest people on earth laugh in fact that may be one reason why Albert Brooks has never really been able to break through on a massive scale is because he might be too smart he might be too funny he may have been so far ahead of the audience you know some of those people I mentioned before like Steve Martin and and uh you know Bill Murray or or Chris Rock or Eddie Murphy uh that became almost like rock stars Bill Murray, John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd became mass appeal rock stars as comedians Richard Pryor uh they hit right at the right time they were there you know george carlin same way they 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 were so different and they forged a new path but at the same time they were they were delivering something that either the masses wanted and needed and didn't know yet until they saw it or something that was bubbling and and these people personified it and brought it to the forefront. And ba-boom, they exploded. But Albert Brooks, his 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 greatest asset may have been his greatest liability. He is so quick and so smart and so original that he may have been before, he may have been just too early. He was before his time. He, he was never right at that moment when the zeitgeist, you know, the perfect storm when everything hits. Perfect example is his first movie called Real Life in the early 70s. There was a, there was a PBS special, legitimate show, a documentary on PBS that followed a, in quotes, normal American family, just kind of a an exploration and a, a, and, a, and a documentary on what does a normal American family go through, the trials and tribulations, the fun times, the hard times, raising children, jobs, day-to-day, the whole thing. And it really was a precursor to what we have today, the reality television. And this happened in the early 70s, late 60s, early 70s. Now, I think there's a lot of people that I hope it by this point, reality TV is almost 25 years old, if not more. Really, it, yeah, well, mid-90s, it's more than that. It's probably almost 30 years old when you think about the real world on MTV, which really started it. But then if you look at like Survivor and things like that, it really brought it into the mass appeal because it was on... Uh, you know, a network show which re- reached so many more people. But yeah, real people, um, a real, uh, the real world by on MTV was really the 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 real beginning of reality TV to some extent on a, on a massive scale, even though it was on a cable station. But Albert Brooks saw this show that was on PBS, and once again, his comic mind said. This documentary is ripe for satire and parody. And so the movie Real Life by Albert Brooks is a movie about Albert Brooks, the director, making a 
documentary about a quote-unquote real family. The only difference here and where the comic effect comes in is that Albert is trying to orchestrate their real life to make it more interesting. He's bringing in a Hollywood perspective. He's not just following what really happens. He's trying to interject things to make the show more interesting to comic effect as as we see it, which is ironic what happens in today's reality television. I hope I'm not making a spoiler alert, but most of the reality shows that you watch, if you're a reality show fan, I'm really not one because these shows are manipulated. These are not reality. They are scripted in many ways. They create scenarios for the people to react to. They're not just pointing a camera at people and and getting lucky. They're creating scenarios and they're creating characters uh, within. So they're you know they're it's a reality show, but it really isn't. But Albert Brooks fifty years ago saw the comedy in that of how do you make a real family more interesting and the lengths he would go to make it real even though he wasn't making it real. So it works on so many different levels. It's called Real Life. I believe it is on a streaming service. You may have to rent it. It's not free, but I urge you to look up Real Life because it will give you a good sense of where Albert Brooks's mindset is in terms of his comedy. Now, I remember first time seeing Albert Brooks as a little kid on Saturday Night Live. Now you say, geez, I didn't know Albert Brooks was on Saturday Night Live. No, he was not a member of the Not Ready for Primetime Players, the original group on Saturday Night Live in 1975 that did all the skits, Chevy Chase, John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, Gilda Radner, Lorraine Newman, Garrett Morris, later Bill Murray, and the, then the list goes on and on. Now, here's something that I had never heard of. I thought it was a pretty knowledgeable background. I thought he had a pretty good knowledge of, of Albert Brooks's career. This I did not know. I learned this watching this documentary that, as I said before, is on HBO and on the Max um, streaming service. In 1970, you know, Saturday Night Live debuted in 1975. In 1974, Albert Brooks, as I said before, has always been very well respected by people in the comic industry. He had been on many, as I said, variety shows, and uh, he had comedy albums. And he, but he wanted to be a filmmaker. He, he wasn't a stand-up comedian, like I said. He was a performer. He was a writer. He, was, he wanted to be a, a director. He wanted to be a filmmaker. But they came to him, Lorne Michaels and NBC, as the Saturday Night show was in its development stage more than a year before it premiered. Lauren Michaels and NBC came to Albert Brooks, a relatively unknown person in terms of the masses, and said, look, we're going to be doing a weekend live show from New York that is going to be aimed directly at the younger generation, at the young baby boomers. You have to remember in the 70s, while there were some shows that were catering to the baby boom generation, musically as well as comedy-wise, they really weren't in prime time. I mean, music-wise, there were shows like uh, In Concert, Midnight Special, Locally here in Chicago, there was a, sh- a show called Soundstage, Soul Train. Um, but the Midnight Special, 
But those were on on Saturday nights at like 10.30 or 11 o'clock. Network television was still dominated by the old, the old guard, if you will. Yes, rock and roll been around since 1955, but it was still a fringe thing. Every so often, people would appear on variety shows. Yes, like on the Ed Sullivan show, the Beatles and the Stones and all these other bands. And on these variety shows like Carol Burnett and, and Sonny and Cher and the Smothers Brothers. There were, there were some youth-oriented shows to some extent, especially the Smothers Brothers, which, by the way, Bob Einstein was a writer and a performer on. But even the Smothers Brothers, which had an edge and which was taken off the air because of its controversial uh, comments and skits that they would make about the Vietnam War in the late 60s. CBS said, enough, you're being too controversial. But even the the Smothers Brothers show, which had a reputation for being youth-oriented, was still in the mold of the old guard. They, They would have old guard stars on there as well as some younger people and young music acts it was kind of a hybrid but it wasn't completely dedicated solely to the younger generation and that's what saturday night live was going to be aimed at the original show had you know rock and roll acts it had drug humor it was hip. It was almost underground. It was, it was put on. You know, the, the most of those the people on the first in the first cast were all improvisers from you know Second City here in Chicago or other places that were edgy and youth oriented, and that was the goal of the show to be a fully oriented show for young people. It was going to be on. On Saturday, late at night, once again, not in prime time, which then gave the the name for not ready for prime time players. But this was, a, was going to be what could have been a a huge career boost and career opportunity for Albert Brooks. He was going to be the host of the show, just like they had a Carol Burnett show and things like that. It wasn't going to be called the Albert Brooks show, but he was going to be the main host. Now we all know that a that a that a signature part of Saturday Night Live is the fact that it has no one host. It has a a, a regular cast, but the host itself is always revolving. Every week, there's a different musical guest, and there's a different host, which gave this show kind of an interesting little personality because most variety shows had a main host: the Ed Sullivan Show, the Sonny and Cher Show, the Carol Burnett Show. But Saturday Night Live was going to start in a very traditional way with one host. And this would have been an amazing career opportunity for Albert Brooks at that time to get national exposure on what be, would, would, would be a cool, hip show that, of, of an audience that would get his humor. Perhaps by being on all these mainstream variety shows, once again, his humor was so off the wall, it was so ahead of its time that the mainstream audiences just weren't getting it. But here was a show that was going to be aimed at young people, aimed with a, with a youthful perspective and knowledge and hip, perfect for what Albert Brooks was doing at that time in his career. But to think of how much confidence he had in himself he turned the job down he was living in california he wanted to be a a filmmaker and he said you know i i don't want to move to new york and i i i don't really do skits and and i don't really know if this would be my thing he said so i'm going to turn this down but then he offered a little bit of advice to lorne michaels and nbc because they could have gone to another comic or another personality to be the regular host. But Albert Brooks said, you know, this is really not for me. But now that I think about it, you know, rather than have one host, why don't you have a revolving host? Every week, someone new. And that's what they did. The fact that Saturday Night Live, one of its main staples, the revolving host, 
was an idea by Albert Brooks because he turned down the job. And they so wanted him a part of this show because they, as I said before, in, in the comic circles, Albert Brooks was, was, was so right on and so original. So they still came back to him later and said, look, how do we make you a part of this show? Okay, you won't host it, but how do we make you a part of this show? And so he said, well, I'll contribute some short little four, three, four, five, six-minute movies, little films, funny films that I'll make and submit, and you can show them. So in the first season and a half or or so, Saturday Night Live featured a film by Albert Brooks. If you ever look at some of the first episodes, early episodes of Saturday Night Live, you will see, oh, and a film by Albert Brooks. So even though he was not on Saturday Night Live and as a part of the Not Ready for Primetime Players, he still was an ingredient on the initial launch of the show and gave Lorne Michaels and NBC the genius idea to have Revolving Host, which is now a cornerstone of that historic show that will be celebrating its 50th anniversary uh, in 2025. But he was, once again, just he was focused on being a filmmaker. And he made these short films, which then led to him being able to make uh, things like real life and then later, as I said before, uh, movies called uh, Modern Romance, which, uh, once again, uh, I urge you to look and find modern romance. It is not only funny and clever, but it also has a lot of heart and it also has a lot of insight. And that's what makes Albert Brooks's comedy and his films so interesting. They're not just funny and clever. They also have real insight into the human experience. Modern romance is about a couple that keeps getting together and breaking up and jealousies and insecurities. It, 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 it touches on all of the aspects of a regular relationship. And they're all there for you to see yourself in. And it's there to, to show the absurdity of the human condition at times and find humor in the chaos of a relationship. It's called modern romance, and it really is a modern romance. I urge you to find that one. And then I really urge you to see, in my mind, two of his best movies. If you don't ever see anything else by Albert Brooks, I urge you, to please, if you've never seen these films, I urge you to find them and watch them. If you have seen them, but it's been many years, they both came out in the mid-80s, I urge you to go back and see them again and remember how great they are. Two films. One is called Lost in America. The other one is called Defending Your Life. Lost in America stars Elbert Brooks and Julie Haggerty about a yuppie couple that decide to drop out of society and go into Winnebago and just find themselves. They're kind of using this hippie ethos. They're yuppies, but they're tired of the rat race. And they feel as if they've lost their way and they just want to go and roam the country and find themselves and, and just go live a simple life in a Winnebago. And they, and they sell their house and they've got their bank account, and they feel that if we just live in this Winnebago for the rest of our lives, we'll have enough money uh, you know, to survive because they had good jobs, they made good money, they had a, a nice expensive house, that, you know, a house that, that appreciated, so they had what they call a great nest egg that would be able to support them for the rest of their lives if they just kind of drove around the country in their Winnebago and, and living a very simple life as opposed to the rat race life of the yuppie, fast-moving 80s. And then they make a really bad decision. And I'm not going to tell you any more, but comedy ensues. 
And there's one scene with Albert Brooks and Gary Marshall, who you may know as a director from some of the funniest movies in the last 25 years and most successful movies like uh, you know Pretty Woman. Gary Marshall created and directed Happy Days. He also got his start as a writer on many sitcoms, including the Dick Van Dyke show and The Odd Couple. In fact, people may not know this, but Albert Brooks was on some early episodes of The Odd Couple. He played a hip advertising executive who was you know, giving Felix the photographer jobs. So Albert Brooks was even on The, on the Odd Couple way back when. But there's a scene that's almost, from what I understood, was completely ad-libbed between Albert Brooks and Gary Marshall, which is a classic. And you can go online and and even see it. Just put Lost in America, Gary Marshall, and, and Albert Brooks, and you can at least see this clip. And if that clip doesn't intrigue you to see the rest of the movie, I don't know what is. But this is two comic geniuses going at one another and playing off of one another uh, at the highest level. And it's really classic stuff. But I won't even I don't want to even want to ruin the movie for you because it's that good. And then the next one came out right after that, a couple of years later, called Defending Your Life, which once again, not only clever, smart, and funny, but deals with the afterlife and a whole interesting way to look at what happens after we die and what is our place in the universe. And in Albert Brooks's view, when we die, we go to Judgment City where we have to defend our life. And if we were a good person who eliminated fear, because that's the driving force in most human people's lives, if we've been able to get rid of fear, we can move on to the next dimension. It's a very interesting take on the afterlife. And once again, with (laughs) comic results, Rip Torn, the great actor who later went on to play Artie on uh, the Larry Sanders show, plays a classic role in this film as, as Albert Brooks's defender, sort of a quasi lawyer. So deadpan, so funny, so charismatic. But the key is Albert Brooks's co-star, Meryl Streep. She has no accent here. She is not playing, uh, you know, a Silkwood uh, or a Sophie's Choice with a lot of heavy drama and things like that. She's playing a very light and easy role of, it almost feels like it's Meryl Streep. And she's funny, and she's engaging, and she's pretty, and uh, it's one of her best understated roles, and it's one that I'm sure people don't even know about. So I urge you to go and find Defending Your Life with Albert Brooks and Meryl Streep, uh, another great movie uh, with some classic scenes that uh, only Albert Brooks could come up with. And right underneath those two, I would also urge you to see the film Mother with Albert Brooks and Debbie Reynolds playing his mother, a a successful guy who's gone through a couple of divorces and he's trying to find out what's wrong with him and he he wants to, uh, you know, figure out his life. And so he moves back in with his very critical mom and the chemistry and the back and forth between Albert Brooks and Debbie Reynolds playing his mother, apparently this was very autobiographical. And Albert Brooks had a, an interesting and kind of prickly uh, relationship with his mom as well. It's on display there too. So Lost in America, Defending Your Life, and Mother, I would say, would give you a pretty good idea as to who Albert Brooks is. As I said, he was nominated for an Academy Award, so I would urge you, if you've never seen this movie from the 80s, or it's been a long time, find broadcast news. William Hurt, 
Holly Hunter, written by James L. Brooks, who who was one of the the main writers and developers uh, and creative minds of the Mary Tyler Moore show. Later on, he did Terms of Endearment and Broadcast News, which was nominated for many Oscars, including Albert Brooks's performance as a reporter. It, 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 it once again it it's a, it includes a, a a scene with Albert Brooks that is so funny and so memorable that you can't help but reference it in your own life if you've ever been nervous and if you've ever been sweaty. <laughs> That's all I'll say. But everybody gives a, uh, you know top notch performances. I I think Holly Hunter was was nominated and so was everybody was it. it it was just a, a a great movie, and I loved it because it talked about broadcasting, and that's you know my uh, my career. But regardless of that, Albert Brooks gives a a straight performance. Of course, there's some comedy there has to be with Albert Brooks, but he gives a dramatic performance that once again was Oscar worthy. And as I said to you before, he was also in. Taxi Driver, Martin Scorsese film with Robert De Niro. So the man has some acting chops. He's also been in a lot of other films called, you know, the film Drive. He plays a, you know, a, a you know, a, a ruthless, he's play, he's a really good villain, ironically. And as I said, yes, he's also the voice of Nemo's father. <laughs> but this documentary, I think, on HBO Max uh, called Albert Brooks Defending My Life is really a a really good first step to either reacquaint yourself with Albert Brooks or acquaint yourself with Albert Brooks with his career, with his films, and with him as a performer and as a person because you get to see that on, on display as he interacts with Rob Reiner. It's a, it's a very moving um, and fun and informative and entertaining documentary that I hope will translate into more people becoming Albert Brooks converts. I've been converted for more than 40 or some years of an Albert Brooks fan. I, I, it is my goal to convert more people because, as I said, Here's a guy that deserves so much more recognition, uh, well-respected within the industry, well-respected by his peers. As I said, you'll hear people like Larry David. David Letterman even says, Albert Brooks's career is a career, career I wish I had. I mean, David Letterman says he wish that he had Albert Brooks's career. David Letterman, one of the most successful careers in show business history as a talk show host and comedian, and yet he bows to Albert Brooks. So this is what I'm talking about. Larry David, Albert, uh, um, uh, you know, Chris Rock, uh, Ben Stiller, older comedians, younger comedians, Nikki Glaser, Sarah Silverman, all bowing and paying their respects to Albert Brooks. So hopefully this documentary is a great clearinghouse and platform to give you a really good taste of Albert Brooks's career. It does a great job of, of, of really going from the beginning of right up until the present day and giving you enough that you can grab onto. And I hope that it inspires you to at least do a little more of your own research into Albert Brooks's works and his comedy albums and you know YouTube I would say go to YouTube clips or go on you know streaming services and find his movies and really discover a guy that not only is clever and funny and original but as I said also writes films that have many layers and an underbelly about relatable topics that we all can see ourselves in we find our fears and our insecurities um, and and all our human foibles, he, Albert Brooks always showcases, makes fun of, but also has 
sympathy for as well. He really is a humanistic uh, kind of performer. There's a, there's a humanness in here, in addition to some of the great lines and some of the great segments and scenes in movies that you'll ever see. I'm obviously biased. I'm a huge, huge Albert Brooks fan. This is one of those things that I'm so glad, as I said, that this documentary exists and it gives me a chance myself to really reappreciate Albert Brooks, even though I've been a fan for so many years, to really rediscover him myself in some ways. As I said, I saw this documentary and went and watched two or three of his movies right after it. I was so inspired. If you're an Albert Brooks fan, this thing will make you laugh and make you appreciate what a comic genius he is. If you have heard of him, but you're not, you're not that uh, acquainted with his work, this will give you a great crash course in Albert Brooks. And if you've never heard of him, hopefully this will be the catalyst for you to do your own homework and discover the work of Albert Brooks on your own. So I wholeheartedly urge you, if you have access to hopefully HBO or the Max streaming service to carve out 90 minutes and look up Albert Brooks Defending My Life, a film by Rob Reiner with Albert Brooks and all these other uh, you know comedians talking about him and all these great moments of his career. And I'll leave you with just one thing as a tease and as maybe as a inspirational thing for you to find out what exactly is Jim talking about here. I'll leave you with this from the film Lost in America. I'm just going to make this one reference and if it intrigues you, hopefully you'll go and find the film Lost in America and watch it and then you'll understand this reference. So this is my little tease and my little tribute to Albert Brooks, in my mind, one of the great comic geniuses of all time who has made me laugh and made me think. So here's the reference, folks. I leave you with this. 22. 22. 22. The rest is up to you. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podcastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion are much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 392. I'm Jim Toronto. I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. From the end of the web to your screen. Don't say nest. Don't say egg. <laughs>